Well, it's uh, good to be with you this morning and excited to be in God's Word. It's fun to have the, the different groups up here sharing a little bit. I, uh, both ministries are near and dear to my heart. It's funny, some years back with Patmos, they used to be based in the Bahamas, and uh, every uh, pastor looks forward to this call. I got the phone call, Scott, do you mind coming down and, and speaking to our group at some point? You know, I didn't take a whole lot of time to pray over that decision, in fact, I was on the next flight down, but really a uh, sweet ministry, believe uh, heavily in uh, their discipleship program. But we're uh, working our way through Colossians, and uh, Chad did an excellent uh, job last week just breaking down the, the text. I was real tempted to actually fill in and actually lead worship this week to really throw things off for you guys, but then I remembered uh, that I can't sing, uh, so that was a setback. But anyway, we're in uh, Colossians 2 this morning. If you wouldn't mind turning your Bibles or your phones, uh, there's one in the uh, chair in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, this is always an invite. Feel free to take that one uh, with you. Well, as you're turning to Colossians uh, chapter 2, I'm wondering how many in this room have ever been in an interaction with someone where you had brought up an area of uh, challenge or something that you had seen in their lives that you were a little concerned about, and uh, you confronted them about the issue, and you only received the statement back, who are you to judge me? Or why are you judging me? Anyone ever been in that conversation? Maybe they didn't actually have to say it to you. Maybe it was just that look on their face that was, wait a second, don't you judge me? And you walked away from that conversation with your tail between your legs because you're like, ah, yeah, scripture does say we're not supposed to judge, right? Or does it actually say that? Does scripture actually tell us not to judge. This morning, I want to challenge our thinking a little bit. Do you see the title of this uh, morning's uh, message? Is The title is to judge appropriately because I would propose that Scripture has times and places where we are supposed to judge and the times and places where we're not. You're like, wait a second, Pastor, where are you going with this? Let's point to a passage just to set the framework for this morning's talk in 1 Corinthians 512, it says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church you are to judge? God judges those outside. Let's stop there just for a moment. First off, it's directly telling us who we're not supposed to judge, right? Who, who, who does it say in the text there? Who are we not supposed to judge? Outsider. Who's, who's an outsider? Somebody that's not a believer, somebody that's never made the choice to bend a knee and embrace Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that's uh, allowed him to be the leader of their life. It's saying, it's not our job to judge that person. So that, that's, a, that's an important thing for us to understand just as we're starting off here, because I think so many of us miss that. We're excellent at judging the world around us, but here we're told specifically that guess who's responsible for that? What's it say? God judges those outside. It's not our job to judge, yet we've become, unfortunately, pretty good at it, right? But if we think through this, it shouldn't shock us at the behavior of the world around us. Why in the world would we be surprised by anything? I, I, I sometimes get surprised when I hear somebody and they're just shocked by the behavior of the world. You mean they, they talk like that? What's wrong with them? You're like... Yeah, they're not following Jesus. Wait a second, they're sleeping with each other before marriage? Yeah, they haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life. You probably would do that too if he wasn't. You know, like the, you, you think through the different things that we play through. Oh, they're passing laws? 
that don't represent a biblical worldview? Yeah, they don't have a biblical worldview. Wait, we're shocked, and so we impose judgment on the world around us. And the truth is, the world around us, if they haven't embraced Jesus as the leader of their life, they're just being consistent with their belief system. And their belief system is that I am God, and I only answer to me, maybe a little to society, but ultimately there's no accountability, so it shouldn't shock us. In fact, we could actually learn from the non-believer with their ability to live out their worldview, right? As believers, we could grow in that area a little bit. And so for us, the very first thing that I want to be crystal clear on that scripture points to is that we're not to judge the outside world. In other words, outside being someone that hasn't embraced Jesus Christ as Savior. Instead, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to throw lifelines to the world around us. Love people, serve them, and throw them lifelines. Man, you desperately need Jesus because his judgment that is coming is pretty intense. So our job, and it's kind of nice as you're interacting with the world, oh, I don't have to do any judging. All I have to do is throw lifelines. All of a sudden, that takes and redirects our attention and focus for the outside world. Second part of this verse, what does it say? It says, uh, for what have I to do with judging the outsiders? Stay back, go back. The second part of it, is it not those inside the church you are to judge? Wait a second, pastor, what are you saying here? We're allowed to, to judge within the church? That some people got really excited right now. They're like, because I'm great at that. You know, like, I'm really good at this, pastor. Finally, we're doing a sermon on something I like. But here, here, here's the idea. It's important to be clear on what the judgment within the church is intended to do. Because it's not just that so often, it's not just to elevate self and push down something. Remember, in Christ, there's no condemnation. So if it's not to condemn, what is it for? It's to build up. Jesus talked about this throughout the New Testament. The intentionality in Luke 17, 3 says, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Paul gives the same charge in, to Timothy in 1 Timothy. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. Again in Ephesians, take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So the intent of judgment isn't to condemn, but it's to bring an awareness, bring things that are under the surface to light, to call people out in their junk to call people out on their junk. This is a critical tool within the body of Christ and something that God uses to shape us more into his likeness. So our text this morning walks us through three specific areas we are not supposed to judge in, and then it gives a hint towards one thing that it would be all right if we did a little bit of judging with the intent of transformation. Hopefully this will make sense as we walk through it. Let me pray first. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for a chance already to celebrate you through worship and elevate your son appropriately. We praise him and you for the finished work on the cross that you've done to restore us to bring us to yourself, to bring us into right relationship with you. We thank you for that this morning. We also ask now that you teach us through your word, 
that you'd maybe transform us and change us a little bit more into your likeness because of our time spent studying this book that you've written to us. We ask if there's some misconceptions about judgment this morning that you might free us from those, that you might correct our thinking because the way that we think directly impacts the way that we live. So we invite all of this. We can't do any of it apart from you. For we, so we invite your spirit to speak to us through this time in your word. You'd free us from distractions and you'd speak to us directly. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. So Colossians 2 We're starting with this title, Don't Judge Based on Old Testament Guidelines That Were Specific to Israel. Normally, I have like a two-word catchy title. This is just talking through what it's actually saying. Verse 16, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Starts with the word therefore, so it's always pointing back to what was just talked about. We had just finished talking about the finished work of Jesus Christ, where he met all the standards of the law perfectly and brought upon a new covenant, a new day and age for both the Jewish believer and the Gentile believer. He's writing primarily to Gentile believers that are trying to figure out what does it look like to follow Christ in this day and age amongst a a group of Jewish people. So the first thing he corrects them on is making sure that they're crystal clear. I'm not intending for these Gentile believers to do all the things that were in place for the Jewish people, the Israelites, for generations and generations prior. He's very specific. He brings up a couple different topics, food and drink. He's referring to Jewish dietary restrictions that had been a big part of the Jewish culture that protected them during their time in the wilderness. That was what kept them set apart from their neighbors. It was a a good thing. He's saying, but you're not to judge based on that. Now, under the new covenant, there's no longer about eating and drinking. Romans 14, 17, Paul says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So food and drink is not an issue. Thank God for bacon, right? All of a sudden, you're just like, hey, this is, this is, this is good news. But under the new covenant, it's maybe even a little bit more challenging. 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful for me, or your text might say beneficial, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So in other words, it's saying, listen, just because it's permitted doesn't mean it's what's best for you. Ah, there goes bacon, right? You know, like, uh, uh, so, so to wrestle through the different things, whether it's related to drink, whether it's related to food, now we're led by the Spirit where he's nudging and prodding and leading so often to this wonderful world, word in the Christian walk is the word moderation. Hey, a little bit of that's okay, not too much. A little bit of chocolate, not so bad, too much, it's a bad thing. You see, anything he said, you don't want it to control you or have reign over you. So he's pointing to this fact. It's not about food or drink. He brings up new moon and a Sabbath. Now, what that's talking about was the first day of the month. It was called the new moon was when they'd give sacrifice, and that was kind of giving the first fruits, and that's a principle that's still a good thing. 
The Sabbath, obviously, we're still encouraged to take a, a day of rest, but it's releasing them from some of the laws that were attached to the Sabbath. They took the Sabbath really seriously. In fact, they still take the Sabbath really seriously. When we were just in Israel, uh, just in, in January, we were on an elevator, and uh, I was confused by the fact that this elevator stopped at every single floor. I'm like, well, that, that's weird. Why is that? And it was put in place. It was, a, it was a Sabbath elevator so that no one had to push each button, you know, because that would be work. And so, so this idea is of setting them free and saying, hey, the principle behind it is still a good thing, but it's not something that you have to induce or, or propose for these new believers. So it's setting them free from that expectation and not saying to judge based on that. So again, still, why, wise choices on food and drink and rest and all those are important. It, but, but when you start to use them as a source of spiritual pride, that's where the problem sneaks in. That's what we call legalism. Legalism, the idea of imposing or requiring conduct beyond what Scripture points to. Anybody in the room feel like there's enough in the scripture for us to stay on top of? Does this have enough for us to keep track of? Anybody think we should add new things to it? That's the same thing that Paul's pointing to. Don't add to it. Legalism becomes a problem, but it actually feeds the ego. That's why it's so dangerous. Legalism says, oh, if you just do this, this, and this, this checklist, you've arrived. That's good for us list keepers, but bad for a spiritual walk with the Lord. This idea, I think, of uh, John Point Piper captures. He says, legalism is more dangerous disease than alcoholism because it doesn't look like a disease. Alcoholism makes men fail. Legalism helps them succeed in our world. Alcoholism makes men dependent on the bottle, while legalism makes them dependent on self. Alcoholism destroys any moral resolve. Legalism gives it strength. I can do this. Alcoholics don't feel welcome in church. Legalists can have their morality celebrated in the church. That's what he's pointing to. Don't go down the road of legalism where you're taking something out of context and trying to impose it on others or thinking that you're higher because you do it. Last thing he points to, we'll be brief with this in that section, is festivals. In that time, they would celebrate Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles, lots of different festivals. The calendar was a huge deal. That, and he's saying, hey, that's not an area to judge. That's not an area to, to elevate as being spiritual because you do that thing. He's releasing, and he gives a reason for that. He says all those things were a shadow of things to come. Think about all these different things in the Old Testament that the, that the Jews celebrated were all pointing to who? Jesus Christ. They were like a preview. I don't know if there's any other, this is maybe a silly example, any other Star Wars fans in the room? I'm a big Star Wars guy. I always look forward to it. Whenever the, the preview finally comes out, you get excited. I recently saw the one, uh, Rise of Skywalker. Anybody looking forward to that? I think that's November, December, something like that. You watch the preview. Now imagine with me for a second. Now the preview's out. The release date finally arrives. Your friends are all excited to go to AMC. You're, you're jazzed. They've got tickets. And you're like, you know, I'm just going to pass. I'm going to stay home. I've got my, my computer set up so that the preview just keeps looping. I'm just going to watch that for the next two and a half hours. They'd be like, what? 
That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Why? The real thing is out. Why would you go back to the preview? This is the same principle that he's pointing to. Saying, when Jesus Christ is here, why would you, why would you go back to celebrating these things that were all pointing to him? It's all about Jesus. So no, no, no judgment based on any of these things that were intended for Jews in the Old Testament. We can talk about tattoos later. Verse 18 says, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Again, another trend in that day, and I would suggest this day, was to judge, or it doesn't say the word judge, it says to disqualify. Disqualify. That's actually the only time in the New Testament that that word is used in this context. Disqualify was a reference to the distribution of prizes at the Grecian games. It's the picture of somebody's already earned something to be like, eh, you don't get it. Imagine Phelps up there after 90 wins or whatever he had, and you're like, yeah, no gold for you. That's the idea that he's saying. It's like, don't disqualify based on these outward spiritual kind of displays here. He, he lists them very specifically. He says, insisting on asceticism. Chad talked briefly about that last week. It's the voluntary restriction of food, drink, sexual activity, sleep, clothes, wealth, basically holding back on things and being able to elevate yourself because of these things that you don't partake in because you've chosen. Now, I'm not saying it, it can be a wonderful opportunity to, to, to sacrifice something and say, hey, I'm, go, I'm going without, but it's not to be a, a means of display and a means of judging for other people that don't have that same conviction as you. He's saying, don't use that as a tool to judge or to disqualify. Think somebody's lesser because of it. Insisting on asceticism, a monk or someone that's taken a vow of, of poverty, that might be a, a, an area of a struggle there. Worship of angels is another area. Denying Jesus' words in Matthew 4.10, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. I was researching that and there's a trend in that time period to celebrate and worship the archangel Michael. That was a thing. It's not necessarily a thing now, but what if we maybe exchanged present day for things that we or, or, or beings that we worship? How about Mother Mary? You get kind of weird with that. How about the saints? We get a little bit weird with that. You, you know, he's saying none of that should be an object of our worship. He's warning and cautioning them about that. It says another thing, going into detail about visions. You see, that's all over the place present day, whether it's in the charismatic movement or whether it's somebody that's holding the, well, you haven't heard from God directly. You haven't had this vision or this dream. And you think sometimes you read these, these passages and you're like, oh, that's old stuff. I was reading statistics just this week that 22% of our planet are, would be considered or call themselves a Muslim nowadays. Now you think of Muhammad, what's the main thing that, that, that led his start of his religion was a, based on a vision for God. Or Joseph Smith, similar, a vision from God. Because so much can be misled and led astray because of false visions. He's cautioning, oh, don't get sucked into that. He points to the idea of a, being puffed up because of a sensuous mind. Sensuous is the idea of a experiences, experiences of the senses, 
Oh, you're not as spiritual if you haven't had this experience. He's bringing it all back. Again, what is he bringing it back to? What does he say to in the text? He says, you're not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, who's the head of the church? Jesus Christ, he's the one that brings growth. Don't judge based on any of these exterior things that are just fake spirituality. Continue in verse 20. Don't judge based on human opinion. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why is if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. That last couple words there gives us a hint of what we're talking about, precepts and teachings. I don't know if you've ever felt the pressure to conform because of other people's expectations. You're like, oh man, I feel kind of the weight of that. They feel, they, they, they've come up with this picture of the way someone should behave. And we're all prone to this, right? We're all prone to think that there's a certain way that we're supposed to live out our faith. I was sad to hear my uh, daughter Alexa had come home from school and she had had an issue with another, a conflict with another girl at the school. And the, the, the girl had made a comment, made a comment to Alexa and sa- said to her, why can't you be more like your parents? I was like, ugh, that's not good. First off, I don't know if you always want that. Second off, uh, at least on this side, uh, second, uh, second off, that's not even, uh, is that a thing? Uh, second, uh, second, uh, what? Who, who makes someone determine that their view of, uh, of how to operate this Christian life is the correct view? That's the problem. We're so prone to this to think that we have, the, we have the angle on how you're supposed to live the Christian life. And we impose that on other people, whether we realize it or not. We start judging people. And I was jotting down a couple areas. How about as, as far as parenting? As far as parenting, discipline style, or what we allow or don't allow. Oh, you allow Snapchat, huh? Oh, interesting. Not sure how you've come to that conclusion, you know. Uh, going straight to hell. Uh, and uh, how, how, about, how about this one? How, how about this? The other areas we judge on. School choice. School choices. Oh, you're sending your kids to do public, huh? So you don't care about them, right? And so you're 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 you're, you're not concerned about like really like the homeschool Christian school. We get so silly with these things and impose our judgment on others, and it gets kind of ugly. Let's just be real here on some of those topics that are just based on your opinion. And have we ever considered the possibility that the Holy Spirit might nudge one person one direction? And it might nudge somebody else a different direction. You don't have the angle on it. That's what he's pointing to, this human tradition. How about this one? How about the other area we lean towards with this? The use of money. The use of money, right? Oh, so they got that car, huh? Huh, I've never felt that before. Uh, And so... Uh, oh, 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 so you, you purchased that house. Oh, in Westlake, huh? Uh, hmm, uh, job must be pretty good. Or how, how, about, how, how about this? How about, how about oh, they, they sure eat out a lot, don't they? Hmm, they probably don't have a kitchen, do they? You know, like, what, what, what in the world? Some of the things that we get on our high horses about, it's really sad and disappointing. He's saying, that, that's silliness. Don't do it. Stop it. 
Stop it. Stop it. So here's the idea. So judge based on, on all of these things he's, he's warning against. But I think verse 23 gives us a little hint on maybe what be, might be appropriate instead. It says, These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. They have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So do you see what he's saying? He's wrapping up the idea of those first three. He's saying they're just promoting self-made religion, just stuff that man's come up with, and the random stuff. But instead, it's not getting to the root issue, which is indulgence of the flesh. Indulgence of the flesh. That's what I would suggest when you think about the Christian life. If you're going to just kind of break it down, narrow it down, what are we called to do once we've embraced Jesus Christ as our rescuer, once we've humbly uh, admitted we're a sinner, acknowledged that, embraced his finished work on the cross, his death, burial, resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins. If someone hasn't done that in this room, today could be the day. But once we've done that, the rest of the line, the rest of the timeline, what we're doing is we're in the process of giving the Holy Spirit more and more control of our life. He sets up camp at the, in the believer at the point of salvation, and then it's our job the rest of our life to start to be like, okay, I'll give you the keys to that room. Okay, I'll give you the keys to that room. I, I submit more and more to you. That's the, the process. And in that process, there's getting rid of the old flesh that used to be the driving force of your life not indulging the flesh any longer, getting ready, saying, you know what? That's the old me. Under the new leadership, there's a different way of living. So for us, when is it appropriate to judge? It's in the, the text we already looked at in the beginning of the service, it, it described it as sin. Sin is the, the going back to the flesh. If you're wondering about what the living in the flesh looks like, Roman, Galatians 5 talks about it. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Basically, we have permission to nudge each other in these areas when we see it. We have permission. You, you can't confront someone in their sin unless you've judged the fact that they're sinning, right? Do you see how that works? You can't do it without some degree of assessing. But here's the key. A lot of people are like, oh, this is great, Pastor Scott, because there's some people I got some, some confronting to do. But here's the important thing is there's some parameters to this. It was sad because I was talking to a group on Thursday night about this, and they're like, yeah, we don't, don't really see this. I've never seen this done well within the church. I'm like, yeah, that's a sad thing, isn't it? Well, here's a couple parameters for that. First off, it should be in the context of relationship. It's not for strangers. You don't need to go up to somebody you don't know and point to all the things you see in their life that they're doing wrong. That, that, that's, not, that's not right. It's to be in the context of relationship, and it's supposed to be bathed in love, telling the scriptures real clear that we're supposed to, the truth, but do it in love, right? context of relationship in love. I was, it was neat. My, my son, Chase, 
taught me a little something about that this week. I had an a interesting week. Uh, it's been quite the, the challenge to get this crazy uh, uh, family venue outside finished up, and we're waiting on this TV to arrive, and had an issue with a shipping company uh, uh, called DHL who lied to us. Uh, but anyway, sorry about that. Uh, but any, anyway, uh, uh, so, so anyway, I was having some issues on the phone, walking through it, and I got home from work, and I don't know, is there anybody else that brings their work home with them sometimes? Anybody? Uh, Oh, it's just me, right? Just me. You guys don't do that, of course. Uh, but anyway, so I get home, and my, my son Chase goes to me. He says, hey, Dad, is everything all right? And I said, oh, why, Chase? Why do you say that? He said, you just seem a little bit irritable. <laughs> I'm like, irritable, huh? What do you No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but it, it was interesting because I was, I was thinking about that, and, uh, and I, had to, I apologized to him. Man, I'm sorry for that. Now, it's... It's funny, though, that a, that a 14-year-old can maybe teach us a little bit something like that. Do you see how that was? Context of relationship. It was driven by concern. Hey, Dad, I, I care about you. I love you. And, and, and just wondering, what's, what's going on with you? And that, that, I think that was a picture, and it should some, be something that we desire. Because why? So often, we're blinded to our shortcomings. We need people to call us out. It's a gift from God. It's a kindness, if you will. Love that the psalmist, he understood this. We're not sure if this was David or not, but he says, do not let my heart incline to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds in company with men who work iniquity, and let me not eat of their delicacies. Listen to this. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Let my head not refuse it. You see, I would propose that this whole idea of judgment has to start with us being at a place where we're ready to receive. We're ready to receive where you're like, you know, it's when you start to see it as a kindness, I love that. He's like, just strike me, <laughs> hit me. It's a kindness. I need it. For us to be in a place with that, all of a sudden when we're ready to re- receive, then I think we're going to be more prone to give the way that we would like to receive it. We're going to be way more prone to actually give feedback and counsel the way that we'd want to receive it. And it should be, if we're keeping stats, it should be maybe you're allowed to uh, give for every like third that you receive. I don't know. That's maybe my, my rule or law. But, but my idea is like, it's not, you have to be on the receiving end and be excited about receiving because what? The end game is you becoming more like Jesus Christ. That's, that's the end game, and this can be a wonderful tool to get us there. I'll give, a, give an example of this where you're not, somebody wasn't quite ready to receive it. It made me sad. I saw, and this gets real. You guys ready for this? I saw on Facebook this week, somebody had put a post, and they said, uh, they, they titled it, they just put, uh, something to consider, and then it was an article talking about a, a TV show called Game of Thrones. Anybody ever heard of that? Is that new, a new show? I'll introduce it to you. And so the, the show, it said, something to consider. And then in the article, it started describing some of the things that are celebrated in the show. It started talking a little bit about pornography and saying, hey, it, it brought up the point, like if there were particular scenes from that show that were removed from the show and just standalone scenes, everybody would agree that that's a pornographic scene. But because it's in the context of a TV show, it's all of a sudden embraced and accepted or allowed or put up with. Is bringing up some of these great points, and some people are getting really convicted right now. And uh, he was bringing, the, bringing this up, 
And I, and I was reading it, and I was like, you know, it makes, makes, some, makes some good points. And when I start to read this Galatians, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, check, 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 idolatry, sorcery, enmity, check, 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 strife, jealousy, yep, fits of rage, yep, rivalries. You know what I mean? You're, you're kind of like, wait a second, what, what are we entertaining ourselves? I'm going to get off my high horse for a second. But here, here's the reason I was sad about that. It wasn't just that, because we need nudges like that. It was when I was reading the responses to everybody underneath. Who are you to judge? Well, well, this is just artistry, blah, blah, blah. And it went, everybody had their rationalization that they went down. And I was like, man, man, if we could get that much feedback about anything other than defending yourself, that would be fantastic. You have to be in a place where you're like, I want to become more like Jesus. Then I'm open to input like that. I'm open to receiving and say, I see this as a kindness. Strike me on the head with it. This is the picture of why judgment is necessary within the body of Christ, with the intention of shaping and transforming us. It's a necessary part of the Christian life. I think we leave out if we just use that blanket statement, don't judge me. That's silliness. Well, here, a couple of reminders just to kind of recap. The first one, who are we not to judge? Outside the church. No, that's not our job. God's going to take care of that. And trust me, he's got a plan in place. And so we're just sending the, 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 the lifeline to the people outside of the church. We're not supposed to get up caught up in silly things like pointing to old traditions and things that, uh, that, 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 that were specific to the Jewish people during a certain period of time. Let's not get caught up in that. He points to not stuff that's about uh, over-spiritualism, all these sensational things, whether it's visions or experiences. Don't get caught up in that and hold somebody below you because you think they should experience those things. Don't come up with man-made stuff that you came up with of how somebody should live, but instead, gently, in love, because you care about somebody and you've walked with them and you're one to nudge them in the right direction, then there might be an appropriate time to say, Hey, man, I care about you. I see you going back to some of this, the, these old patterns. I see you going back to that, man. I, is there any way I can help support you in that? Man, what would that look like? What would that do in the body of this church? It has to start, I would propose, with being in relationship. A lot of people are like, yeah, no, I don't have anybody saying stuff like that. And you're like, well, maybe that's a problem. You need some, some people that are close enough. You let enough people in that they could say something like that in your life. All this, I'm not just preaching down on you. I'm receiving myself. Is that okay? Is that fair? Let's pray as we wrap up. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this text. We thank you for your word. The things that you put in place weren't always easy and uh, palatable, but some healthy nudges that you know we need. We need each other to call each other out, to call things exactly what they are to have people that will speak light, truth into our lives, God. We need that. You use people to accomplish your work of transformation. So we ask that you stretch our thinking on this, God. We ask that we'd weed through maybe our misconceptions about judgment, never to condemn, but to build up the body of Christ. We thank you for this passage and how it's taught us here this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen grateful for his grace and love that sets us free and sets us free from some of that old fleshly stuff that leads nowhere. That's where judgment's such a powerful tool to say, hey, don't go back to that. That's a nowhere street. Let's live in that this week. Let's apply this in a rightful way, right? God bless you. Have a great Sunday.